Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Get German Football News podcast, where tonight we'll be looking ahead to the first fixtures of the new 2020-21 Bundesliga campaign, reacting to some of the new transfers that have been confirmed and completed in the last week concerning German sides, as well as answering some of your guys' questions at the end of the podcast. So stick around for that. As always, I'm your host for the evening, Nathan Evans, and this week I've been joined once again by two of our Bundesliga experts, Andrew Thompson. Good afternoon. And of course, Tom Fenton. Hi, guys. How are we doing, guys? All good? Alles gut. Delightful. <laughs> well, I guess straight into the action then this week. And let's first discuss Schalke's trip to Bayern Munich on Friday night that will open the new Bundesliga campaign. On the transfer front, Thiago looks like he's finally on his way to Liverpool. But Bayern are bringing in um, Serginio Dest from Ajax at right back to make amends for that in a way. A lot happening, of course, at Schalke behind the scenes over the summer. But this week, they themselves announced a signing of forward Gonçalo Paciencia from Eintracht Frankfurt, which will, of course, give them a bit of a boost in the meantime. Uh, despite that, though, surely, guys, this is an easy home win for the reigning champions. If we come to you, Drew, first. Uh, um, coming up against Bayern on match day one probably isn't what Schalke wanted to see, considering how they ended last season or half of last season. But um, it's going to be a decent test of them to see if they're willing to take the shackles off a little bit and be more progressive in their play, um, which is something that they did in the first half of last season in the Hindman day. They were that was maybe the only positive you can take away from of the 2019-20 campaign was that they were pretty okay in, in that first half. And it was the second half, that 16 matches on the spin where they did pick up a single win where kind of the wheels fell off the bus and, you know, they had to, you had the formation change. Um, that You just saw kind of like the lack of creativity in that side, the lack of, the lack of goals as well. Um, it's a lot of questions. Uh, I don't think anyone expects them to win, but if they put on a decent showing and at least create create a few chances, um, they can maybe hit Bayern on a break, as we've seen. Bayern can be susceptible to being hit there, um, as we saw in Champions League. They might be able to at least put in a decent showing. I think that's kind of the first step. Um, you know, the Schalke brass have backed Wagner and said that they want to stay with him. Um, they're back in a new approach of, you know, that they don't want to bring in big signings. They want to bring in low-cost low signings. They want to rely on the youth system heavily again. Um, I, I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to set up. If, if they go with something more progressive, like like we saw in the first half of last year with that 4-2-3-1, then maybe they might stand a chance to actually give Bayern a moment of pause. But if they kind of just sit deep and invite that pressure um, and, they, and they just go with a lineup that's just very negative, I, I think it'll be over within the first 20 or 30 minutes. I, I don't think that's what Schalke friends are going to want to see. I think they want to see more, and I think – that club deserves a bit more, <laughs> despite my bias. I do think a club, a club of their stature needs to be doing far more than they did in the second half of last season. So um, I don't think they'll win, but I'm curious to see if they'll actually at least put themselves about in a way that, that you, can, you can analyze that and say against a side that's not Bayern, they can maybe pick up a result here and there. Yeah, and just your thoughts as well on the uh, uh, Tom. Yeah, I, I uh, pretty much agree. I, I think it's going to be... Uh, fascinating for both sides. Obviously, we now know that um, it's going to be without fans, which could impact it slightly. But uh, I just think Bayern are going to want to continue where they left off. And uh, it's 
potentially going to be a bit of a strange atmosphere with the whole Tiago cloud over their heads. But a lot of people, and we're going to get to that, but a lot of people have been quick to point out how the dynamic of the midfield doesn't, doesn't change too significantly because you have more than capable players to come in and fulfill that role. So it's going to be an interesting one with all that's surrounding it. Uh, I expect Schalke to very much sit in and try and hit the counter and uh, and do their best to kind of fight off the waves of, of inevitable Bayern attacks. And I think it's just their best uh, best chance to win, really, and their best uh, best way to approach it is to try and soak up and try and use that pace they've got with the likes of, of Matondo and stuff. So it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I really can't see too many positives in terms of the outcome for Schalke. Uh, I think they're really up against it, but... Um, it's a chance for Bynes to put down a gauntlet from the onset. A home game against a side with vulnerabilities, with plenty of off-the-pitch drama happening, with a coach who's under pressure already. Uh, so, yeah, for me, um, I think it should be a, a relatively uh, comfortable Bayern win, but uh, a lot of uh, interesting aspects to the game and, and a really good way to get the league up and running. Yeah, definitely. Just going back to Thiago, to Liverpool's story, obviously uh, looking like he's left effectively from Hansi Flick's comments earlier today. If we stay with you, Tom, are they gonna, how are they going to replace him in the short term this season? Um, well, again, I think in the short term, uh, there's been a few interesting comments about this, which is to say that, you know, Thiago is, in a sense, irreplaceable. Um, he's a one-of-a-kind. What he can do with the ball in terms of possession, passing, awareness, all these things, you can't just go out and find that. So you really have to... Uh, just sort of manage what you have. And Bayern are probably one of the few teams in world football with a midfield where you can lose somebody like Thiago uh, and not necessarily be too hurt by it. Um, I think it will require a bit of a change in in, their, in the way they approach games, um, perhaps to a slightly less possession-based brand of football. Um, because again, you can start to utilise the likes of Goretzka more, maybe start to play a bit deeper. Um, obviously, I think we all expect Joshua Kimmich to operate in the, in a central position this year, particularly with uh, Pavard on the on the right wing back, and maybe even Sergio Dest to come in as well. So, yeah, I think you can certainly um, make a case for Bayern not being too weakened by it. It, it. As as big of a claim as that is to say, because it is obviously a brilliant footballer. But um, I, ju- I just think they can if they can avoid injuries. They don't have too much depth below it. There's a lot of obviously good young players who can come in and do a job and. And, uh, you know, guys even like uh, David Alaba, who can fulfill a, a, a role in that position very well. But, um, yeah, I just think with Goretzka, with Kimmich, you have a really good uh, partnership there in the middle to, to move forward long term with and to not be too badly hit by it. Um, it's going to be interesting because, again, there's no guarantees. And what Thiago brings you as a player, too, is just influence. Uh, he almost, you know, instills fear into the opponents because... You know what he can do. He can spin out of situations. If you press him, give him any kind of space, he's going to pick out pick out a man in a dangerous area. So that fear factor will go a little bit. Uh, likewise, the off the pitch, you know, influence he has in the dressing room. We saw at the end of the PSG game when he, you know, from the sidelines, he was acting as a coach almost in terms of geeing up his his teammates. So he's going to be a big loss. But if there's one team with a midfield that can cope with the loss of Thiago, I'd say it's Bayern Munich. So for a bit of fun, let's go predictions, Andrew. Uh, what are you saying score-wise? I know you uh, predictions. <laughs> I do and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like, I like like putting ourselves on the line, but I also hate the fact that people will use it as a stick to beat with <laughs> for a half a decade later. <laughs> so that's the problem. Um, 
I think Bayern will be comfortable. I think it's going to be, I think I'll go with 3 0. I, I don't think, I mean, for Schalke, so far, you know, I don't think it's going to be worse than that. But I, yeah, I, I think we all agree. I think Bayern will be comfortable. I just don't think Schalke have enough about them. Even if they do create a couple of chances, I don't think it's going to be enough to throw this lay on the bus on match day one. So. And you have scored, Tom? I'll say 4-2. I think Schalke might give wow. them one or two. Yeah, I think Schalke might give them one or two problems. I think there's going to be a bit of intrigue to see how the defence holds up at Bayern. And I, I don't know. I just Again, it's, it's one of those opening games of the season. And we saw the beginning of last season where Paderborn went to Bayern and almost turned them over. So weird things can happen. Maybe Bayern have been celebrating a bit too much. So I'm going to say that <laughs> Schalke will give them a bit of a scare, but ultimately Bayern are going to pull through. Well, just to be awkward, I'll split the difference and go 3 1 to Bayern then. <laughs> <laughs> like you mentioned, with um, maybe not on the counter attack with Schalke, because I don't think they're going to set up that way per se. I think the vulnerability of set players and corners in particular. I mean, I'm thinking back to like, the Frankfurt game at the back end last year for Bayern. I just fancy Schalke to get a goal, but ultimately, I think Bayern Munich could be too strong for them on the evening. Um, but next, we move to the usual Saturday afternoon kickoffs. And first up, let's go with newcomers Stuttgart facing Freiburg at home. Maybe a difficult one to call, some would argue. On the transfer front, Freiburg of tonight, tonight announced the signing of French midfielder Baptiste Santa Maria from Angers. Um, a very shrewd pickup, even if it is for a club record fee. Uh, Tom, if we start with you, what's he going to bring to his side and how do you see this game panning out on Saturday? Uh, well, just firstly on the signing, I think um, Santa Maria has been brought in, interestingly enough, as a bit of a Robin Koch uh, replacement. And uh, if you remember at the end of last season, uh, Koch was deployed as a deep-lying playmaker, you know, defensive midfielder, anchorman, whatever you like. Um, and that, that's the position they prioritised with this signing. Um, you know, he's a defensive midfielder by trade. It's where he, he's played very well in France for the past couple of years. And um, yeah, he, he just seems like a solid operator and somebody who can come in and really break up play well. You know, his distribution looks solid. And I'm really fascinated to see how he gets done because he's going to a club, you know, with a, with a reputation for bringing in players of this ilk and turning them and taking players like that to the next level. And uh, it's a big, relatively big fee for a club like Freiburg. But um but with the amount of money they've gotten in, in terms of transfers this year, it's probably uh, about right. And uh, I think it's a fascinating move. You know, from what people in, in France tell me and from what I've seen, it's, he's, he's clearly a player who's gone under the radar, um, as a lot of players tend to do in, in Ligue 1. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how it pans out. I think he can do a job and I think he'll come in and slot in for Koch uh, and uh, where he was playing at the end of last season, which is like I say, just shielding the back four, keeping things tight, and breaking up play. and And he's at the perfect club for that, really. Um, in terms of match day one, it's a really fascinating tie because I think you're hoping that sort of Stuttgart can come out of the blocks fast and have that newly promoted bounce that we often see. Um, but you come coming up against a, a club with Freiburg with. You know, yes, they've lost a couple of, of big name players, and we all predict them to have a slightly, you know, worse season than last year because of who they have lost. But you can't underestimate them. You can't go into this thinking that it's it's going to be an easy win because you're at home and you got the feel good factor. They're still a very very well organised, well drilled, well coached side, and uh, you know, regardless of whether they're at home or not, it, it's going to be um, it's going to be fascinating. Again, I, I have these teams finishing roughly in a similar position. 
uh, come the end of the season. So I think it's a, it's a pretty close clash. But uh, I don't think we should get too carried away in thinking that Stuttgart are going to go in there and and roll them over because, uh, you know, Freiburg are still a very game opposition. They're still a club that are going to have aspirations to be pushing for the European spots again. And the signing of Santa Maria, I think, can really push them on and help them out. You know, I mean, they've, they've also brought in Florian Müller as well from Mainz, who had a bit of a tricky year last season. But prior to that, he was looking like, you know, one of the best young goalkeepers in Germany. And so if they can get him back to a good place again, I think they can really kick on uh, and they can have another good solid season again. But um, yeah, I'm predicting a pretty tight clash this weekend and uh, it should be a good one. Yeah, and just coming over to Drew, uh, your thoughts on the game as well? I kind of agree with essentially almost all of that. I feel like, <laughs> you know, we're quite solid at home um, last season. But it's a new season, it's Bundesliga again, and I think maybe not enough is being talked about, again, as Tom mentioned, how, how well drilled how Freiburg is, or the organization. The fact that, you know, relative to the talent level they have in the pitch, they often can get results that maybe a lot wouldn't expect. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of that's down to the manager. Um, and going into the match day one, if you look at it, Stuttgart would be without Nico Gonzalez, uh, Eric Tommy. Both of them are missing. That's a lot of firepower that they're going to be without um, against a side who can be very hard to break down by default. So I don't think this is a foregone conclusion. I've, I've seen a lot of predictions that have Stuttgart being comfortable in, in the result 2 3 nil. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I think it'd be a lot closer than that. Um, I, I do like the signing of Santa Maria for Freiburg. Um, if, if anything else, it gives them maybe any sort of additional support in that squad is required, especially if they want to, again, push on for another European place, um, try and get in and around, you know, top seven, top eight again this season. It's, 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 maybe you could say that that club record fee, kind of a risk, but it's the kind of signing they need to make if they want to kind of push forward and regularly have themselves in that discussion. So um, in that sense, I don't see it as a, as a big risk, despite the few levied out. So um, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, this might be one of the, the actually most entertaining fixtures on match day one, considering Stuttgart do create a lot of chances. Um, on their day, they do have a lot of players that can hurt you when they're fully fit. Um, unfortunately, we won't get to see two of the players that we've all talked about in the round of the season. You know, Eric, Tommy, we all could play a key role for them. Nico Gonzalez is clearly one of their best players, one of the most important. Um, in the final third, their top goal scorer from last year. So without him, it might be a little bit tricky for them, as I said. But um, moving forward, I think these are two sides. Who, I mean, I predicted Stuttgart to finish in the top half of the table. Um, kind of surprising to all of you, for sure. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think, I think it'd be a fun match to watch, for sure. So I'm, I'm, we're not gonna, we're going to come into predictions, obviously, but... Yeah, I just, I, I just see this one being one of the more entertaining ones on Match Day 1, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, like you mentioned, predictions. If you want to stick a score on it. Uh, given the kind of the, some of the players that are available, uh, maybe 2-2, I would say. I think a draw pretty fair. Uh, I think I put them down just to being pretty even uh, in terms of, you know, you could, have, you could argue maybe a bit more firepower, but... Um, I think Freiburg are just so again so well drilled. They'll create their own chances. You know they're not perfect at the back, and um, Flacken's out for that match actually, so it's going to probably be Florian Müller in that. So um, it's a big test for him on match day one um, if he wants to kind of rebound and, and push forward. So um, yeah, I would say two two. I, I mean, it might easily be you know 
a one-one even depending if they don't come out swinging. But I'm going to go with a draw for sure. Yeah, and your score, Tom? I was going to say two-two, so I'll just say one-one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, points are on the line, so you gotta. You gotta... I'll go three three one up. <laughs> no, but I do think, yeah, I think draw. I think that's pretty much, uh, yeah, the, the consensus, isn't it? So I, I'll stick with one one. I'll go with one one as well in that. Well, fellow newcomers Armenia Bielefeld are also in action at the same time, but face a tougher challenge. Most would agree. Their first Bundesliga match in 11 years sees them travel to Eintracht Frankfurt, who largely underwhelmed last term. Tom, if we come to you first, maybe. Um, will the home side get off to a better start to this campaign, do you think? Oh, so uh, the audio has gone a bit. Could you repeat, repeat that? Sorry. <laughs> One sorry. It's <laughs> just that we went out a little bit. Um, yeah, so fellow newcomers Armenia, Bielefeld are also in action at the same time but face a tougher challenge, most would agree. Uh, their first Bundesliga match in 11 years season travelled to Eintracht Frankfurt, who largely underwhelmed last season. Um, do you see the home side getting off to a better start this time around? Uh, I, th- I think so. Um, you know, I brought up uh, earlier about you know, Paderborn last season at Bayer and they gave them a right scare and really should have won that game opening day of last year. So they could have a very, you know, Armenia Bielefeld could have a very similar uh, outing, particularly away from home. Pressure's kind of off. It's all really on Eintracht. And, you know, they're, they're the ones who are now expected to have a much better year. They're expected to kick on. They've tied down silver, you know, uh, on a permanent basis. And I think that's a transfer that, you know, can really help kick them on. So all the pressure's going to be on Eintracht. Um, but I mean, you would expect quality to prevail, particularly if they are to have the kind of season that many are tipping them for. Um, again, there were a lot of jitters and ups, ups and downs last year, but if they can get off to a good solid start, you know, I think they can be pushing that top seven. Um, so they've, they've certainly got the talent to do so. I really like their defence. I like Silver up front, guys like Jibril uh, So in, in the middle as well. So um, yeah, I, I would I would expect uh, Eintracht to. To win, but I wouldn't say comfortably. I, I do think that uh, Armenia's uh, style could potentially trouble them. You know, you'd love to see Fabian Klaus maybe get get on the goal sh- on the score sheet and cause them a, a couple of issues. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's an interesting one, and, and it's uh, it's a great opening game for Armenia because it really is just you know pressure off. Go out there, enjoy yourselves, and see if you can cause an upset and cause a bit of bit of pro- a bit of trouble. So. Um, yeah, I do think Eintracht will get the win, but uh, I, I certainly don't think it'll be uh, plain sailing. Yeah, as you mentioned, Andre Silva there, um, I believe after the restart of the Bundesliga last turn, he kicked on, I think he got eight goals in ten, obviously going to be a big part of their season. Um, coming to you, Drew, yeah, similar, how do you see it going on Saturday afternoon? Mm, I almost kind of... To me, this this could be an upset. I think you know, Tom's already kind of mentioned as to why you have um, on match day one. A lot of times, newly promoted sides, when I think the way Armenia like to like to play, like to put themselves about, they could just kind of I wouldn't say go for broke, but I don't know if they're just going to sit back and necessarily try to just come away with a point on the on match day one. I think they might try to go for the jugular a little bit. Um, and I think they have a couple of players which they can do that. We, we mentioned Fabian Close. Um, I do think that uh, if Judon does start, I think he could cause Eintracht quite a, quite a bit of a headache um, down that left-hand 
down Armenia's left hand side. Um, but I think the on the reverse, the key, if you you have to be able to deal with someone like uh, Bastos, should he start, and the edges of a playing just off him, that's a really tricky front two to kind of tag tangle with, especially in match day one. Um, they do have some quality in other areas as well. Um, but I just also, I do think that Frankfurt have that pressure coming into it where they do need to have you know, maybe an improved season. Um, I think everyone set um, the bar quite high when they made that magical Europa League run. Um, I think maybe a lot of the fan base and maybe a lot of pundits would, would argue that that's kind of the level where they should be at consistently. And um, I think they're at a spot where currently where they need to deliver. Um, but again, I was still looking with Paderborn last year. Um, I mean, they might not win, but I do think, I don't think it's going to be, again, I'm with Tommy, I don't think it's going to be comfortable. Um, I do think they have enough about themselves to actually kind of, uh, you know, um, give them a bit of trouble at that other end. So I'm not quite sure if they'll set up to, to counter or if they're going to try to maybe impose themselves a bit more and maybe ask more questions. But um, it'll be close. It's another entertaining one. It's hard. To, it's hard to say that <laughs> there's, there's never been a single match that isn't entertaining. Um, yeah. So I do. I do think this will be a fun one to watch as well. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to go with your prediction first, Ian. Um, 2-1, Eintracht? Yeah. Ah, stole it again. <laughs> <laughs> or we're just Vulcan mind mail. Do you never really know? How are we going to spend it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go for 2-0 to Eintracht. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I'll round it out with a 1-0 to Eintracht, I think. All agreeing on that one. Um, another interesting matchup sees Hertha travel to Werder Bremen. Bird obviously stayed up by virtue of the relegation playoff last season against Heidenheim. Star player Milo Rashitschka may miss the first game of the season though, as he looks for a transfer away from the Vice Stadion. Hertha, on the other hand, big money spenders in January started to kick on, but maybe not enough. They've added a few more pieces this summer, most notably in the last few days. Jean Cordoba from FC Cologne. Will the Berlin side get off to the flying start that boss Bruno Labbadia will be looking for for you, Drew? I think so, but you ha- you have to look at the way they performed in the Pokal and just wonder how leaky they're going to be at the back. I think they have an incredible amount of talent for the forward. You know, if everyone's fit, um, you, know, you have uh, Piatek who could start up there. You have Luka Bakio, Mateus Kuna. You have these are the type of players that can really give someone like Werder quite a bit of trouble and. You know, I think we can all ask questions about the nature of that back four. Um, you know, <laughs> there's far more many problems than, than positive plus points. So, um, but I think the battle's going to be in midfield. You know, David Klassen has to put himself well. Um, I'm assuming that uh, Max Eggenstein is going to start. So it, it's a tough job for both of them um, to really try to support that back four and put the shackles on someone like Kuna, who's so mobile uh, if he gets on the ball if he gets himself into any amount of space it, it could be it could be a nightmare for, for Berman early on but um i'm not even quite sure if fresh is starting maybe someone can shed a little bit of light on that but um if you're missing one of your key outlets as well that's kind of going to be a big loss for Berman. i think that so much pressure on her to now because they've done you have to log the applaud the spending that they have done i think they've run quite a few players who um between um, this season and last that, that show where their motivations lie. You know, they want to be um, in discussion with the European places, places every single season and being a club from the capital and, you know, the Bundesliga being the only major league in Europe that does not have 
uh, a club from the capital that is, you know, in that top echelon in the, in the domestic league, there's a lot of pressure for them, um, especially after that performance in the Pokal. So um, I think they'll deliver. Um, I think Breda do still have players who can cause a bit of problems. Um, certainly if uh, someone like, uh, you know, if he, if, he, if he starts and if he's in good fitness, then someone like Nicholas Fulkuk who um, can give them a bit of trouble at the other end. I think Josh Sargent is primed to have another good season um, in terms of his progression. Uh, I think you're looking at, um, and this is without bias, of course, but you're looking at a, <laughs> you're looking at a player who um, could lead the line for Verda moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll, uh, I think Hertha will, will, will pull out the win, but I'll, I'll leave the actual prediction for later. But um, it's, it's a good test for both clubs. If, if Verda, you know, they, they've got to get themselves right. And I think this is a season where if they get it wrong, I think they don't avoid the drop. So starting out strong, I'm actually one against a club that has aspirations of being something greater than they actually have been. It's a good test for them. It's a good test for both. Yeah, and as a man who's watched a lot of Verda action in the last few years, Tom, can you see them upsetting Hertha, I guess you'd say? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think it's, I know, I, I feel bad for saying it, but um, I just think it's the worst start, maybe, maybe not the worst start possible. The worst start possible would be, you know, Dortmund or Bayern coming to town. But um, the, the real threat with Hertha right now is the attack, you know, with with Kuna, with Luka Badia, with you know, I just think that there's so many ways they can hurt you, and um, and it's not exactly a great start because the place where Werder is still so vulnerable is uh, defensively, um, particularly so sort of from set pieces and crosses, and perhaps that's not where you know Herd's strong point is, but I, I just think it's not a side you want to be playing right now because yes, they got off to a you know a terrible start, obviously in the in the pocket, but um, they're going to be keen for to get back on track and. It's such an important season for them. These are the kind of games that you cannot slip up in if you're if you're head to Berlin. So um, there is a lot of pressure there, but I, I just yeah I worry slightly about uh, you know Verda's ability to hold off um, Hertha for the for their whole game because you know Kuna's going to be sort of ready and raring to go. He's going to be fighting for to, well first of all to help get you know uh, Hertha into the into the European places, but then also to get that big move. We know he's still pining for that. So it, it's going to be really dif- difficult for, for Bremen to keep the score down, I think. Um, and in that, in that sense, I, I think I'm going to probably go for an away win just because I, I, I do, I, you know, I, I think we all pretty much said that Werder are going to struggle this season. Um, and they have brought in Chong and they have done a couple of good things. And, uh, but they still haven't really, particularly with uh, a couple of injury concerns, I believe, to, to top rack, which, which is a problem. Uh, but, to, you know, if you want to solve the defensive issue, then he's the type of player who can do that for you, or at least partially. And if there's injury or fitness concerns there, then that, that's my worry, because if you're starting with the same back four that you ended last season with, I think this could be a, a pretty tough, you know, start to the season. So, yeah, for me, Hertha not only... Uh, have to win, but I, I think they will win because uh, they just have too much firepower, in my opinion. Can I put a score on it? Um, I'll go for... I'll say 3-1, Hertha. On you, Drew? It's I that has been robbed now. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do... Mm, let me see. I'll do 2-0, Hertha. 
I'm going to plump for a wild five ones of her. I just, I just think, yeah, this season it'll come together and hopefully, even though we saw with the DFE Pokal result, I just think they'll react to that and they've got a manager who'll want them firing straight away and no doubt give them a bit of a uh, dressing down after that game. So, yeah, I fancy him to catch Brennock again. Um, elsewhere, FC Colm, Hurst, Hoffenheim. Homeside really struggled after his umption of the Bundesliga last season. In the last week, they've lost striker Jean Cordoba, as we mentioned, to Hertha. They've brought in Andre Duda from Hertha and also the powerful Sebastian Anderson from Union for a decent fee. First of all, Tom, if we come to you first this time, what do you make of their transfer business in and out this week? And also, can they get the better of a relatively strong Hoffenheim? side on Saturday? Uh, well, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it, for Köln? Because uh, on the one hand, they are they are spending money, they are bringing players in, they are, they are looking to add in in a, in a couple of areas. But, um, you know, as I think many people at, uh, you know, GGFN have said, not <laughs> saying any names, they perhaps are not assigning players in the correct areas or rectifying the issues they should be in terms of maybe bringing a, a winger in and somebody who can add a bit of width to that side. But I think Anderson is a good deal. Uh, I think it's a player who can bring plenty. We saw that last season and could fit in relatively well too with the Köln style of play. Um, I think Duda's a bit of a strange one, particularly for the £7 million fee. Um, and again, I, I just... It could be one of those strange years for Cullen where it's a backward step, but they're not going to be in a relegation battle because they're a bit too good for that. But likewise, they're not quite good enough to push for the top half or Europe. And it could be one of those years where they sort of nestle, you know, somewhere in between. Um, and again, Hoffenheim is not an easy start, in my opinion, because while they haven't, while Hoffenheim haven't necessarily added a tremendous amount in terms of transfers this summer, They've kept the squad together. They have a young core that's only going to get better. A lot of good players in there who can kick on now and will be ready to go to the next level. So I think it's a, it's a dangerous start because you're up against a side that's remained relatively the same. They ended last season, obviously, with a couple of fantastic results, did Hoffenheim, whereas Köln kind of went in the opposite direction, uh, you could say, in terms of form. So it's going to be interesting to see how the two sides pick up from that and whether that has any bearing on, on this uh, game. Whether the sort of the uh, instability and the rumours and tra- transfers coming in and out at Köln can have any kind of impact and maybe could take their, their eye off the prize if they're not careful. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're two, I think they're two relatively evenly matched sides, but I would just give the edge to Hoffenheim because, you know, I think they've got everything together right now and they come into it in a good place with a good coach and a, and a, and a side that's really continued on from last season without too many added, you know, without, without adding in too many areas with a good core and a young core that is going to look to be pushing, I think, for the European places this season. So um, a tricky start for Köln. And uh, you do worry about the transfers and whether they're putting the money in the right places because they do need strength and after losing somebody like Cordoba. Um, and uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting season in that regard. But uh yeah, for match day one, uh, I think I'd probably give the edge to Hoffenheim, but a draw wouldn't really surprise me either. And just your thoughts, Shrew, on the game at the Ryan Energy Stadium? 
try to expand on that really i think tom hit really all the the, the main point the talking points um for me i think if you look at last season's form as well half i'm actually quite solid away from home um pretty sure they only lost three on the road um and they had one of the best defensive records away um so I think that's almost going to kind of tip the balance. And again, because they didn't change very much in the system, you know, they have that same core players. Um, I think they're just putting faith in what's already been working for them. You know, um, despite some of the questions you could ask about them at, at the back, um, you know, their defensive record wasn't exactly stellar last season, but um, they did find a way to find a way up to six for a reason. You know, they're a good side. I, I think Conan um, is certainly a poor side at all, obviously. Um, but I think we've kind of already touched on that both pre-recording and, and just right now that, you know, it seems that some of the signings you could say lack direction. It's not that they're necessarily poor players. I think someone like Andre Duda isn't a, a bad player. It's just, was he really, what need, what money needed to be spent on? And that's kind of the last thing you want to see is a club sort of haphazardly and, and, and frantically spending money just to make it seem like they're doing something rather than nothing. I think that's the wrong kind of direction to take it. Um, Obviously, we can all be proven wrong, and maybe it turns out to be an absolutely brilliant sign that makes a difference at some point this season. Um, but I just kind of think for me that I think if, if you analyze just both clubs in terms of the decision-making, in terms of how they've handled the squad, I think Hoffenheim is miles ahead, even though Coleman and Paper actually have a, a relatively decent side of their own. Um, but just a lot of questions at the back as well. I, what the, the first, second worst defensive record in the league last term, um, right up there with Werder Bremen. So... Um, I think it'll, it'll be even. I think, you know, Conan will always get chances. I do like um, the fact that uh, Sebastian Anderson is, uh, I do think that it's a like-for-like -like change in terms of who he's replacing. I think he kind of fits the bill for um, grabbing goals be, uh, from set pieces and being dangerous in the area. Um, I think he's, he's one of the, the most dominant aerial players in the Buddhist league. I think that does give um, kind of a seamless transition for them in terms of bringing a signing in and it, it fitting the bill, you know, right from the off. And I think that was actually incredibly important for them. So um, I think both, you know, this weekend and, and moving forward, I think you'll maybe sort of hit the same numbers he did for Bunyabur than last season. Um, for this match, I'd probably have it down to Hoffenheim squeaking it. It might even be kind of like a tepid affair where um, the two sides kind of spend more time feeling each other out. Um, I do think it would be close again. But I do have often I'm just pipping it. But I, I, I do think that if they get it right, you know, Colin can maybe surprise all of us this season. But certainly a couple of you in, in this discussion might, <laughs> might might prefer to see that. But again, we won't name names. So. Let me go with your prediction first, Andrew. I'm going to go 1 0 Hoffenheim. Um, again, I kind of feel like I, I just feel both sides are going to maybe, you know, it's going to be 50, 60 minutes of kind of trying to fill each other out. And once the chances start coming, they'll come thick and fast. But. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a lot of goals in this one, despite the questions both of them have at the back. I do think it'll be a close tight end phase. So, yeah, uh, I'll go one one. Um, I get, yeah, I think close affair potentially, like like Drew said, filling each other out, and uh, yeah, I think one one. Uh, even if Hoffenheim maybe have the best of it, uh, I'll go a one nil home win. Up the building. What a surprise. Let's go. The last after the afternoon kickoff could almost, well, in our predictions last week in the podcast, make sure to listen to that um, for what we think is going to happen in the Bundesliga this 
season, we'd almost class the last one as a relegation six-pointer as Union host Augsburg. Drew, you can go first on this one. What are you expecting from that matchup? I have no idea. And <laughs> that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just more of a lot was made of Union, you know, the way that they kind of play off the home crowd last season and, and they were lacking that after the restart. Um, so I'm going to be curious to see how they come out. Again, missing someone like Sebastian Anderson, I think that's a big loss for them. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure how they're going to really put themselves about it. I do feel like on their day, I think Alex would have quite a decent amount of ability in that team. Um, certainly, we, I mean, we, we discussed it earlier about what's going to happen to Marco Victor. We don't know if he's going to be at the, the – apparently he's going to be at the club, but is it going to be at the club from a mental standpoint? You know, I think um, there was that link with Cohn, but um, – and how could, can uh, Daniel Calgary come in and, and really replace what, um, what Victor can bring on his day? Um, but I do think if you, if you analyze at 11 – They've got some ability. Someone like um, Vargas on that left-hand side can really cause nightmares for a lot of defensive uh, systems. I think he's actually quite a talented player. Um, obviously, you have Nina Beckner, who um, everyone kind of kind of raves about him, obviously, as a center forward. And he's expected to, to, to get you know, 12, 13, 14, maybe 15 goals this season. He's, he's quite a danger man for them to deal with. Um, but I don't know if Augsburg really have enough creative impotence about them to break down how organized women can be if, if they're on song on that day. So I, th- I think it's going to be pretty tricky. Um, this could be another tight affair, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, but I do think that despite my prediction, I think Augsburg, maybe on paper, I think they're, they're better than what they might actually produce. Um, and Union, I think, have, I wouldn't necessarily a lot to live up to. I do think that they certainly outperformed what people expected of them last term. Um, I don't know if that's going to be able to be replicated and sustainable given what they have on offer at the club. I do think they have some, some, some danger has grown. Um, someone like Trimble on that left-hand side um, getting forward. That's going to be an interesting battle with Caligari, actually. Um, maybe one of the highlights of that match, because if he gets into spaces where he can actually get some decent service, then you know, and he might find some joy there as well. But yeah, I think it'll be tight. I think it. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the prediction, but um, another it could be end up being a tactical battle, maybe a, a bit. But um, I think both would maybe be fine with the point if they got in. You know, Augsburg need any sort of any sort of point holes early doors to maybe get themselves in some semblance of form, and Union just need to avoid that 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 sophomore season jitters. Kind of like so yeah. yeah, over to you then, Tom, on that match as well. Yeah, I I, I agree with all of that, and uh, you know I, I'm. I picked both of these sides to struggle uh, in our prediction uh, podcast. And, um, you know, I still think that. I still think both are going to be uh, down the bottom. One will probably go down. Um, I'm, I'm tipping, you know, Union to struggle a bit more, um, simply on the basis of, uh, you know, how are they going to respond again to the absence of, of atmosphere? How are they going to respond to the second season in the in the Bundesliga uh, it's going to be fascinating. I, I just have a, a feeling somehow that that Augsburg are going to are going to pull it off. They they got a couple of really interesting away performances last year. Obviously, the standout one was the victory at a, at a struggling Schalke. Um, but away from home, they've got an interesting dynamic where they can soak up pressure, where they can cause a bit of an upset, play beyond their abilities sometimes. 
And I just think they might do the same here. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see, obviously, how Max Cruz um, sort of moulds with that Union team uh, further, further down the line. But initially, there could be a couple of teething issues and the loss of Anderson, we don't know how that's going to play out, how it's going to affect uh, Union's tactical balance. So uh, I'm, I'm just I'm tipping uh, Augsburg to capitalise on that uh, a little bit and, uh, you know, and, and bring a bit of a surprise um, yeah, because away from home, they're an interesting team. And uh, and these are the kind of games that, if my prediction is to plan out, uh, you know, as I predicted, uh, these are the kind of games that uh, Augsburg are going to have to uh, uh, at least get points in, in order to avoid the drop. So I think I'm going to tip them for an away victory, just about, again, probably a close, low-scoring affair. There's going to be nerves and jitters. There's obviously quality in both attacks, but... Um, heading into the first game of the season, no one's going to, particularly in what could turn out to be, you know, a relegation scrap towards the end of the year. Neither side are going to be too, uh, you know, open. I don't think, or too willing to kind of commit players forward. So close affair, but uh, I'm just going to pick uh, Augsburg to uh, to get the job done. Feel free to add your predictions, guys, as well, if you want first. Um, I'll probably just go for a two-one to Augsburg. What have you got, Drew? Oh, we've got to stop doing this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, not not to kind of jump on that. I think we've already done once before, but I'm going to agree with that scoreline. I just feel like, again, I think Algebra have just enough about them to maybe get that second. Um, I think they maybe have one or two key players that can really pop up with a goal at, at a key moment. And as you kind of already highlighted, they do have a way of... Uh, grinding out results away from home, at least certainly last year. So, yeah, I think I think 2-1 sounds about right. I'll go slightly different, and I'll predict a 1-1, I think. I think both teams will be happy with the draw and, and uh, all things considered. Um, so next we move to Saturday evening, and what a big one this is, as Borussia Dortmund Gladbach. I think we'd all agree that that's probably the match of the weekend. Um come to you first Drew and your beloved Dortmund can you see them winning here do you think they'll do it with these how do you see this one panning out I mean I can see them winning but I can also see Gladbach winning um, this is a really this is such a tough one for me the, the questions are going to end up coming being moving forward people are going to assume that Emery Chan is going to start in at, at, uh, at right centre back how is he going to get on in, in that channel um, with maybe some of the players who have to deal with with that overlap Likewise, the fact that Thomas Meunier is going to be the starting right wing back. It's just losing Hakimi was such a tactical loss. It's, he's such a threat going forward. He's, his ability to track back as well, the way that his effectiveness in those overlaps, he did provide such good service in wider areas. I think that's a big loss. I think maybe given that fact, there's going to be an additional need for creativity in that team, certainly centrally. And it's not that they don't have it. It's going to matter, be a matter of who Lucien Favre wants to go ahead and put faith in it on match day one against um, Marco Roisset, who, um, in, in, in Gladbach, where they, again, they have so much quality in, in every area of that pitch. And certainly, they're capable of sitting back and countering as well. And, and Dortmund are weak when they get hit on the break. Um, if you get in behind space, behind someone like a Hummels or a Kanji, um, there could be some joy there in Marcus Terrams, that kind of player to do it. Um, I think if uh, if player doesn't start, though, um, I think he's got a, 
and potentially injury Nigel. Um, if he doesn't start, that's kind of a big loss. I don't know if, um, you know, Jonas Hoffman can make up the difference um, to the extent that maybe in a player like player who had, you know, was it 10 goals, 10 assists last term, that's a big loss for them on March day one if he doesn't play. But, um, and then, but again, going back to Dortmund, they have so much quality. You know, if Sancho's on form, if, if Holland finds any amount of space in the final third, you know, they'll tuck their chances away. It could be a bad day for someone like Nico Avedi. Um, but I might actually say that this might end up being a draw. Um, I think both teams wouldn't, I mean, obviously you want to go out and, and get three points over um, someone who's your direct rival for, for that fight for second place. But I also think the last thing that either side are going to want to do is already be three points down off Bayern. Um, not that they're going to play for a draw, but I think I could see it playing out as one. Uh, both teams have a lot of similarities in terms of what they can produce in the final third. Weakest is at the back. Um, again, I'm not quite into I think for me, the biggest question about Dortmund is going to be what they go with, with with midfield. If it's a midfield three or if it's a midfield two and what balance they look for on the day. Do they want to have a, a deeper sitting midfield that are going to look to ping some balls? Are going to want someone like Jude Bellingham to come into that 11? Do you have a carry and progress play? Will Rafa Guerrero start if he starts? Is he going to be out on the wide or in the middle? Same thing with Torgan Hazard, who he's a player who was second on, on, on Dortmund uh, in terms of assists last term in the league. And he might not even feature from the off in that match against his former side. So, I mean, Dortmund have a lot of options as well, depending on how uh, Favre wants to uh, tackle that match. But I think it might end up being, um, at least on the scoreline, maybe a closer affair than um, I'd be happy with. Certainly, I want Dortmund to go out and, and get three points, uh, a key three points early, early doors. But um, I'm not quite sure if it's going to pan out that way. Well, Tom, obviously you said that Gladbach were going to finish above Dortmund this year. Yeah. So do you think they'll get the better of them on Saturday evening? Well, this really is the test of my prediction, isn't it? Because quite, <laughs> I mean, Gladbach could easily get blown away 5-0 and, and all of a sudden I'm trending on Twitter and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, having to sort of start covering uh, Syria. But, I mean, I'm hopeful that that won't happen because, uh, I, yeah, I just think this is a great opportunity really for Gladbach well, they have have a relatively fresh. I know there's a couple of injury worries, but they generally speaking have a, a, a fresh squad before the Champions League exertions really begin, and that's going to be the true test of them this season. Um, but I do really think with the manager they have in Marco Rosa, with the squad they have uh, and the spine of that team, which is so strong uh, from front to back, I really think they can they can trouble Dortmund. And um, I, I, I'm going to stick with a, with a draw because I, I just think. Uh, this could be a real chance here for Gladbach to to sort of throw down a bit of a marker and to say to Dortmund, you know, we're we're right here with you. And you know, if 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 one team, if there is going to be a team that can challenge Bayern this year, that, that we're that team. And um, it's going to be interesting because there's so many tactical battles, uh, as Drew touched upon. Um, the absence of of Hakimi could be crucial because. You know, we're not quite sure how Dortmund are going to are going to play out tactically and what the formation is going to be, where everything's going to fit. Um, there's a part of me that's wondering where Sancho would be because surely there must have been a part of you know Lucien Favre's thinking of trying to plan for life without him and trying to think of a system without Sancho in it. And so it's going to be really critical for me to see how they get the best out of Sancho in this game because he can do a lot of damage to what is a at times vulnerable uh, Gladbach back, uh, Gladbach back line, if I can say that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a fascinating one, but I really do back 
I, I, you know, Gladbach to to stick with Dortmund to hang in there, and, and they're going to be a, an attacking threat in my opinion. Certainly, I would love to see Hannes Wolf get some minutes because I, I I'm a real big fan of his, and I think reunited with with uh, Rosa, I think it could be a, a fascinating. Um, you know, a reunion to try and get the best out of him again. And he can be that link man between what is a strong midfield defensively and what is a very, very powerful attack. He can be that bridge, the, the one who sort of connects the dots. So I'd love to see him get a bit of time uh, going ahead this season. Um, but yeah, again, like as Drew mentioned, neither side is going to want to fall behind uh, Bayern so early into the season because we all expect uh, Bayern to go and, and beat Sch- Schalke relatively handsomely. So it's a real chance to to lay down a marker and to establish yourself as the contender to Bayern's throne. And for me, I do back, particularly with Europe not really getting underway yet, I do back, uh, you know, Borussia Mönchengladbach to go there and to and to at least walk away with a draw. You know, and I, I could be massively wrong, but I, I just have such faith in, in what they're doing in the projects, the way they're moving forward, um, the system they utilise as well. So... Yeah, for me, I'm going to say a draw. I feel like you two are going to uh, try and steal each other's predictions again. So I don't know who wants to go first. <laughs> what time go first? I'll be no, I, I had last dips. Go, go ahead. Look at this. This is ridiculous. We've got to stop being so polite <laughs> to each other. Um, I'm, as, I think it's going to play out as a close match, but I think Dortmund will just steal it. And I think I touched on this when we were discussing our prediction and our predictions, but I think that the only difference between both sides last season was the fact that Dortmund found goals where Gladbach didn't. Um, they had a near identical goals allowed record. Um, you know, Gladbach only finished four points behind, but you know, Dortmund scored just about 20 goals more. I think they have maybe more goal threats, particularly if, if player does not start that match. I think you're kind of almost looking at um, really just Marcus Teram as the only real considerable goal threat in that team. But if you look at Dortmund, if Sancho's on form, you know, you have Holland, of course, depending on if uh, Michael Royce starts or if it's going to be Torgan. So you have a lot of the different areas where um, Dortmund can find the goal, certainly through certain phases of play um, and also on set pieces as well. Um, so I, I, I would probably say 2-1 Dortmund. It'll be close. It'll be, I think it'll be back and forth. It'll be a, tactical, a good tactical performance for both, I think. I think it'll just be... Dortmund just has the ability to put that one extra chance away that maybe Gladbach struggled to do last season. So I think that'll be the only difference between both sides, honestly. Fair enough, Tom. Uh, Drew, sorry. Tom, who do you, uh, what score are you going to go? I'll go for 2 2. Um, I think Gladbach are going to have a really good tactical plan and are going to, you know, play the socks off. But in the end, maybe Dortmund fight back with that individual brilliance that they have going forward because they just have so many match winners, particularly if Royce is in there and on song and. They have options off the bench too. So, yeah, I'd say uh, a 2-2 draw is, is is probably about right. And um, I certainly need that for my prediction anyway. So I need to stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will go with Drew and say 3-1 to Dortmund. I just think they'll maybe last 10-15. I just fancy them to run away with it. And like you mentioned before, I just think attacking wise they've just got that bit more currently so I'll back Dortmund for a 3-1 victory there but that'll wrap up Saturday's fixtures but there's also two matches on Sunday in the Bundesliga two different but interesting matches the first of which comes at half two 
as we have Leipzig against Mainz. Finished 13-0 to Leipzig over the two encounters last year. Uh, Tom, if we want to go you first, will they dominate this one as well? I think so. Um, it's the first time we're going to get to see uh, you know, Leipzig at sort of full strength again since the, the Champions League, and it's going to be a real chance for them to, uh, I guess, to prove that life after Werner isn't so bad after all, because they really are going to be up against it this year. There's pressure on Nagelsmann to deliver, to to bridge that gap to Bayern. Um, I think none of us doubt him his ability as a coach, but this is the biggest test of his stewardship so far to lead Leipzig into a season without his talisman um, and find a way of getting enough goals together to be able to to deliver a top four spot first and foremost, and then to potentially be able to mount some sort of title challenge. Um, because that fundamentally is why he's there. So it's a really crucial season um, for RB. Uh, and I, I back them to get the job done in this one. Like you mentioned, 13-0, that's, that's a pretty remarkable stat, but it, it just points to how good Leipzig can be on their day. You know, they had some strange results, particularly towards the end of last season, whereby games you'd expect them to get the game won. Uh, they just came up short and they, they, got, they got a bit stuck in the mud you know, when, when teams would sit really deep. Uh, but I don't quite think Mainz are the other kind of opposition to foil them in that regard. Uh, they, they don't particularly, uh, they're not renowned for being able to you know, sit in and put 10 men behind the ball and play that kind of football. They're generally, speaking, a very young and exciting uh, team with lots of interesting talents coming through. And then, and they've got this, and they've got the, the ability to to challenge Leipzig because it's the opening day of the season, as we've all, already said numerous times. And strange things happen. Uh, they have a lot of attacking talent, as we know, with the likes of Mateta, and you know, I'm sure we're going to get to. Well, we might not, but um, you know, Robin Quezon as well could potentially come in and, and have an impact if he isn't, you know, out of the squad for transfer reasons. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, opening fixture. Um, but I, I suspect Leipzig are going to get it done. They're going to need to really uh, show to the league and show to themselves that they can that they can still be the same team this year. It's it's such a crucial year for Nagelsmann, for the club as a whole, for their long term aspirations. And this is the kind of game you want. It's it's the perfect start, you know, to begin at home, to get a nice comfortable win, and to then move forward and to then start, you know, to slowly build towards something good. So. Yeah, it's it's a big game. They've made a couple of decent and shrewd signings. You know, uh, I think Hendricks could be a an interesting one to watch if he if he's if he's playing in this one. Um, so yeah, it's it's a fascinating game. But uh, I would tip Leipzig to get it done. Uh, you know, and boy, do they need to because they need to show that there's life after Werner, uh, and they need to show that they can still be a team capable of bringing the fight to Bayern, to Dortmund, and to Gladbach. Yeah, like we mentioned with that scoreline, so it was eight 0 the home game last season for Leipzig. Doubt we'll see it being that big again, but Drew, do you agree with what Tom said there, Manson? Yeah, and I think I think most would. I don't think it's just me, but I think that the key, and we saw this in Champions League um, this past term, is you know, Leipzig are always going to go out and create chances, even without Timo Werner. They still have so much creativity on that side, the way they move off ball, um, how tactically strong they're under Nagelsmann. The question is going to be, will they finish off the chances they garner? And that, for me, is the only difference maker in this game. Um, you don't look at someone like uh, Poulsen and see a player who um, is uh, efficient in and around the area. You know, he will, he'll, he'll, he'll get some goals for you, obviously, but the, the lethality in which 
Werner brought to his ability to finish is lacking in. That's a, a, a lot of shoes to fill, multiple pairs of shoes to fill for for um, for Juan. So we don't know if he's up to task yet. Um, you're gonna have to do something, get some residual goal scoring from someone like a Denny Olmo, who is quite good getting getting forward, getting into that area, making those late runs. I I do think Leipzig will win, but I do think it's a it's a, as Tom mentioned, it's a good match to start off the season with, in terms of working out those kinks, trying to get players like Juan into form um, now, early, as quickly as possible, because I, I, this obviously is gonna be a much bigger test. But again, um, if you can get him getting him getting getting him on the end of good chances early on, it's gonna make his job just that much easier to try to replace uh, Werner. And, uh, we don't know how someone like Alexander Sorloth is gonna come in if he does come in. You know what his worlds and contributions are going to be, um, but then again, they might be without someone like a Zapatero this match. So obviously, that's a key loss. So there's a few couple of players that they're missing that that could make you know, that additional difference. And I think certainly when they get Mainz, they have some players who can hit Leipzig on the break, and that, it could end up being if, if Leipzig don't come away with this win, I think it's going to be one of those scenarios where it's not because they didn't play well, it's going to be because they didn't take the chances. And I think that's kind of the, the, the main question in the season that we already discussed on previous pods is how are they going to get on without Timo Werner? Because I think we've all discussed that. We don't think they've really properly replaced him, but again, how, how, how well could you replace him like Werner? The amount of goals that you've scored over the last couple of seasons, particularly last season, um, and that's, that's, that's a tough job. It's going to have to be an entire team effort. Um, I think they come away with the win, but um, I think it, again, I think it might, I think Mites are almost coming off thankful that they're coming up against a Leipzig side that have, still have some questions that have not yet been answered. It's a good time for them to maybe try to go ahead and steal a point because they do play with a bit of useful super and they do like to go get forward when they can. Um, you know, if, if they grab a goal or two, um, might be a little bit more interesting if this is this was maybe say match day ten, but I do think Leipzig will come away with the win in the end. So no love for mines this week, and then my sons a bit. If you want to go your prediction, Drew first. Uh, I'm going to go three one. Actually, I, I do think that mines will steal one. All it takes is one chance in, in, into space, and they can maybe bag one. But I, I do think um, Leipzig will still get enough chances. I, I do think they'll actually grab a few goals. Um, again, someone like a Denny Olmo can play such a crucial role for them uh and, and as i said before about having to come up with an overall team response and how to replace team lover and i think he's a, he's a key component of that and i think i wouldn't be surprised if he grabbed a goal or two um someone like Polson's so good in the air so you can maybe see him nicking one off a set piece or you know crossing from service from someone like angelino who i think will have maybe a big season ahead of him so um yeah i'll go through one and your predictions as well tom yeah, I'll go four one to uh, RB. Um, similar reasons, really. And uh, you know, for me, these aren't really the games where you're going to mi- where you're going to miss um, Werner the most. Uh, these are games uh, where you should have more than enough creativity and talent uh, on the pitch to be able to get the job done. Uh, and I predict them to do that. And uh, yeah, I-, I think a relatively comfortable uh, uh, victory for for Leipzig. Yeah, well, I'll make it a full house on Leipzig and go with the. Uh... Comfortable 2-0, let's say, let's say 2-0. I think they'll keep a clean sheet. Um, then we come to the last fixture of the weekend. And again, it's another tasty clash involving two of last season's Europa League qualifiers as Wolfsburg host Leverkusen. We start with you, Tom. Can Bayer get a result on the first, in their first match without either Havertz or Volland? 
Um, it's such a tricky one to call this for me because, you know, I, I think only in this game are we going to really see how big of a loss Kevin Folland could turn out to be. I mean, we all talk about Havertz and of course it's obvious what you lose uh, with him going to Chelsea, but but those two and what they bring to the side on and off the pitch, you know, the the tenacity they play with, it's going to be something that you're you're going to need in games like this away to Wolfsburg and this could be, you know, for me, I think these two teams are going to be very similar placed again in terms of the league. But I think points wise, they're going to be a lot closer too because, you know, while Wolfsburg haven't necessarily uh, strengthened to a to a ridiculous extent, uh, Bayer has certainly weakened. You know, we could talk about Patrick Schick and what he's going to bring, and and he's undoubtedly a very good player. Um, but can he make up for the loss, you know, of Havertz and Folland? I really don't think so. Um, can he get 10, you know, 15 goals in a season? Certainly, but we're talking about a whole lot more that they've lost than just a goal scorer, you know. Uh, and in that aspect, I actually think Wolfsburg could get the job done because uh, they're a team that just seems to be improving year on year, making incremental gains and, and improvements around the pitch uh, and, and, try, and getting the best out of their players too. You know, I, I'm a big fan of, of Wolfsburg-Horst up front and um, he's somebody who kind of gets derided a bit as just being one dimensional sometimes and overlooked, but uh, he could be so dangerous on his day. And this is the kind of game for me uh, against a slightly aging, I know, I know there's like taps over and stuff, but with it, with Bender, with the Bender brothers and, and, uh, you know, instability and rumors about certain players leaving with Tar and stuff. I think this could be a good opportunity for him to get on the score sheet and cause one or two problems. And for, Wolfsburg to really demonstrate that they're right in the mix and they're right with the rest of the top five teams in that hunt, you know, for, for Champions League football, because, you know, in terms of where they finished in the league, they weren't a million miles away. They had some really good results last year. Um, I think if I remember rightly, uh, Wolfsburg beat by, um, you know, in their own backyard as well. And uh, we saw that day how good Max Arnold was, and he's another player who is also overlooked, and we forget how good he is sometimes too. You know, a player who was in, who's been so instrumental for for German youth sides down the years. So, yeah, for me, this could be the first real sort of taste of life after Havertz and Folland for me for, for Bayer, and um, and it's a true test. <clears throat> it's a true test for the club to see how very similar to Leipzig. You know, you're talking about a team that's lost such talisman as well as another really good player and really good servant for the side and how that's going to cause instability. I think there's a core and a young core that can really improve and, and drag this team forward in years to come, but that's going to take time. It's going to take time to get the very best out of Diaby and Paulinho and these kind of guys and Verts obviously who's coming through, who looks great. So th- th- there's life in Bayer yet, but this could be a wake-up call as to how tricky this season ahead could be. And, uh, and I just predict Wolfsburg to come out of the blocks sharp and, uh, and, and for them to get the job done. Fair enough. And your thoughts as well, Drew, on this? Have you got Wolfsburg or Bayern? Oh, that's... Or draw. Yeah, you could, you could make cases for any of those three results, honestly. And I mean, Tom's highlighted maybe the key talk points. Again, it's, you know, I think the business for Schick was probably the best that Leverkusen could have done this summer in terms of replacing someone like a Kevin Balland, who um, it wasn't just his the fact that he was such a good surfer, it wasn't the fact that he was 
you know, dangerous in terms of his ability to find goals, but also provide. It's, it, it was his tactical flexibility. Um, I think Petabosh is going to be maybe missing that. I don't think Schick is that level of versatile, for me at least. Um, I think he's going to be more of, he's going to be stuck centrally in a way. He might be a bit mobile in the faces of play, but um, yeah, if, if injury bugs came up, you know, you really see him performing quite well on the right side of you know midfield for you know 10 or 15 games if necessary I don't think so but um I do like the attacking quality that doesn't have and I think that's something we've always said you know someone like Florian Dretz coming through um I think he's gonna end up being maybe one of the breakout players this season um Diaby he's only gonna get better um Demerbay does have that um the ability to pull strings. He's so good on set pieces as well. I think there's a lot to like about Bayer, but um, you still do have to make, you have to ask questions about their ability to defend. Um, I think Topsoba is, is a good young player who has a good amount of potential about him. But again, you have the questions about Yonatan Ta if he's leaving or not. Uh, if someone gets at uh, Bender on that right hand side, you know, that could be one of the weaknesses that maybe you'll highlight that someone like. Uh, depending on who starts from Wolfsburg down there, and maybe someone like Bercalo, if he, if he gets into the 11, if he can use his pace to get in and really cause some problems there. Um, I like the fact that Wolfsburg still have kind of similar to what we said about someone like a Hoffenheim before, but they haven't changed a ton in terms of that team. Um, you almost know what to expect from them. I do think they have, and Vodvay, of course, they have a player who, and I, it's, it's funny, there was a, there was a, Brief links with with Vakers moving to the Premier League with Arsenal being interested in a lot of people, as Tom said, kind of derided him about being so one dimensional and just a prototypical target man and like Giroud 2.0. But I think he's a bit more expansive than people get credit for. I think he's the the one of the typical sort of central attacking figures that you want a team like Wolfsburg to play around in and around of. And you have a lot of players who are in midfield that because of his presence do find space on top of the area where they do create a lot of chances from someone like Max Arnold, who was brilliant from, from, from finding a goal from outside of the box. A lot of that is because of how, how big horse sort of plays and lays people off. And um, maybe that might be one of the keys to unlocking Burkhal to have a, a real breakout season for him. I think he has a key role for them this season. Um, and I do think that it's, this is, there's no better time before but now when you have a Leverkusen that has so many questions in that team to maybe push themselves forward um, and move on ahead, considerably ahead of someone like, you know, Leverkusen or maybe even um, Hoffenheim in terms of um, really trying to cement themselves in, in, in the places just outside of top four. So um, this, I, I think this matchup is just as interesting as, you know, some, something say like Dortmund and, and, and Gladbeck. So um, I think Wolfsburg might just pull it out. And I think it's not because they're, Demonstrably better. I think it's just because I, th- I think they're in a better shape match day one. Um, this might be a different discussion if it was, you know, in the, some time during the middle winter, but I think they'll pull it out this match for sure. Your prediction first? Uh, I think 1 0. Um, I don't think it's going to be indicative of the type of play that we'll see. I think it's just going to be the fact that maybe you'll have some cobwebs. Um, I think both, will, both sides will create chances. I don't think it's going to be. Um, a bunkered in kind of a fair. I think I don't think both of them are going to sit deep and, and, and look to soak up. I do think there will be um, some expansive play, but I just think that, that we'll just get the one goal, but irrespective of the chances that they'll create. So. And what about you, Tom? Well, by a like, uh, exciting opening, so I'm going to say 3-2 to Wolfsburg. Goal fest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go the complete opposite way and say 0-0. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is this is nice variety though someone's gonna have egg <laughs> on their face so it's good. Yep, as usual i think uh obviously wolfsburg are playing in europe tonight i believe in albania so three days later i just think maybe not used to traveling with you know the, the state of the world in the last few months so fancy both teams to sit back a bit maybe um but yes, that does the previews. Just to finish off, we asked you guys on Twitter for a few questions around our tonight's podcast. So we'll start with a few maybe different questions. Uh, Tom, if you want to go with this one from Anton, he asked, do you think that it's kind of strange that Hertha are still playing without a main sponsor on their jerseys, given that they want to become a bigger club in the near future? Uh, perhaps so. I think it's it's more so just indicative of uh, the lack of the fact that they aren't necessarily in a big quote footballing city. I know that Union's success has helped, and it's moving towards that. But we know historically what Berlin is all about. It's all about art and culture and that sort of thing. And generally speaking, if there isn't a big market and there isn't going to be excess shirt sales, I don't, I don't think it's it's you know unreasonable to for them to struggle with a sponsor. We saw even Dortmund have had a couple of issues with sponsorships and and that sort of thing. We also can't forget what time we're living in. You know, COVID hasn't gone. The economic effects are going to be there. Uh, they won't be the last club to struggle with sponsorship deals. Um, I think even Liverpool have had an issue in terms of their Nike deal that, that it hasn't quite worked out or or panned out as expected. So, yeah, for, for me, it's it, it shouldn't be too much of a concern. Obviously, it's not ideal because of where Hertha want to get to. Uh, but without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion, if they go on and have a, a fantastic season, if they go on to have a year where they can maybe push for the European spots, push for the top four, um, then I'm, I'm fairly certain that you know by the time COVID eases a little bit, you'll see fans come to the stadium and then you'll see Berlin transform even more into more of a football city and then you'll see the money coming in more and more as they see it as a genuine marketplace. So I don't, it's not a concern now. If they go on and finish fifth and if they're getting big uh, you know, crowds when crowds come back um, at the Olympiastadion and they still can't get a sponsorship deal, that's when you maybe should be worried. But for the moment, I don't think it's too, it's not too jarring in my opinion. On the other hand, as well, I mean, everyone loves a kit without a sponsor. So oh, yeah, nice. of course. Yeah. They, they look good. Um, one from Nicholas Berge next. Uh, which player are you most disappointed has left the Bundesliga this summer? And he cited Havertz, Werner, Philip Max as well. And also, I guess you can put Thiago in that with him looking likely to move on. If you want to go with that one first, Drew. Mm. Um, I, I, it's tough. I, maybe someone like. Havertz, just because we, we all sat here and talked about him and everyone in the world has talked about the, the level that he has the potential to hit. Um, and I think if, you, if, if the Bundesliga wants to grow, keeping someone of, of that current ability and potential to hit you know, the very elite level of European football, it, it would have been kind of a, a really good flag for the league to keep. Um, I'm not necessarily surprised that he moved. I think if maybe... Some other clubs uh, domestically wanted to stump up the cash. He would have stayed. Certainly, if Bayern legitimately came calling and and, and chucked kind of money at Chelsea, I think he would have ended up at Bayern. Um, maybe particularly if, if they knew Thiago was leaving at that time. Um, but maybe maybe it's, it's a loss because you know one of the things that grinds my gears is that everyone, even despite the the enormous amount of quality 
um, and tackle the nuance that exists in the Bundesliga, people still kind of almost see it as a feeder league to say something like the Premier League or or Serie A sometimes or um, or La Liga. So um, to grow the league, um, sometimes you want to keep its its best domestic products for as long as humanly possible. Um, so I think for me, that's why it, it would be the most disappointing. I, I, I kind of expect a team over in at least, particularly when um, there were those links with uh, with, with Liverpool and, and then Jurgen Klopp. It just you would have assumed he would have gone there because of Klopp, um, and he almost did. Um, Thiago leaving also maybe not necessarily a surprise. I think a lot of people would have picked him to go maybe back to Spain. Um, but again, heading to something like Liverpool, I guess, is um, not all too surprising. But I think Havertz could have been... Um, maybe the face of the Bundesliga for, for quite some time. So I think for me, that's why I would pick it as the biggest loss. Do you agree with that, Tom? 100%. Yeah, like Drew just said, hit the nail on the head. Um, he would have been the face of the league in the years to come. And it's so it's for me, it's just it's such an important move in terms of what it signifies and represents because you never saw Beckenbauer, you know, Schweinsteiger, Philipp Lahm, Gerd Muller, the German legends who we assume he's going to go on to become. You didn't see any of those guys leaving the league at their prime. I know there's a couple of examples with Jürgen Klinsmann and Rudy Voller and so forth, but generally speaking, these are guys that the Bundesliga managed to keep keep in the domestic league, build a, a real reputation around. I mean, if you remember 2014, after the hype of the, the German World Cup triumph, the Bundesliga was the it league. And the reason for that was because they managed to keep all of these you know, all these brilliant domestic players in their, you know, in their um, domestic league. And, and and that was crucial to the branding of it. And I just think Havertz could have been the face of that. And to have the, you know, one of the three or so best players in the world, which I expect him to become in your league is such a unique selling point. And uh, so, yeah, for me, for what it represents and for what he's got, the player is going to become, I think it has to be Havertz. And just uh, quick, sorry, just quickly building up that again, it's also indicative of the fact that um, something that we've kind of talked about, maybe not as much as we maybe should have, but certainly in some discussion circles, that the newer generation of German footballers don't necessarily have that need connection to stay domestic. Yeah, exactly. I think it, the, something like the Premier League, a lot of them have cited that they, when they were coming through the ranks when they were youth players and, and they were younger, they watched a ton of Premier League. You know, they have a lot, they admired a lot of the players, a lot of the clubs there. Um, seem quite attractive. Also, of course, uh, the financial compensation you get from the Premier League, it, no one can really blame Havertz for going to Chelsea with the amount of money that they're chucking at him. Um, so I think that, I think the, the, the outside pull of a league that is lauded as arguably the best in the world with um, the amount of talent that is there, uh, the amount of money on offer, um, the way it, it's really just kind of suits attacking players as well. I'm, I'm not really surprised that it's happened, but um, I think we might see it more and more often now, whereas even something as like four or five, six years ago, um, the exception to the rule was that it was a German player rocking up there before their prime or in their prime going to Premier League. It's not something that was really seen if they did leave Germany. They went one step above and maybe went, did like a, a Tony Cruz and went to Real Madrid, which again, at that point in time, it made sense because the only thing above Bayern at that moment was something like Barcelona or Real Madrid. But now I think you might see instead of players staying and hoping for that Bayern move, they can, or Dortmund move, they can look at the Premier League as an incredibly vile, uh, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, that Freudian slip saying vile. Yeah, it was. Uh, whoops. Um, <laughs> um, just the, the opportunity is, it's, it's tough to turn down when you're 
when you're young and you have the world at your fingertips and, and, and you are tipped to be one of the next best things in, in the global game for the next decade. And then you have that your reputation, the money on offer. I think we're going to see more of it, unfortunately. I think it's going to end up being more common than we would like to see. Yeah, sadly, I agree with that. Um, and then lastly, a bit of a similar question that we received from a few people. So Sam Parson, second ball and Griffin football. Who is the biggest rising star? in your two opinions, outside the top four in four, uh, top four Bundesliga teams? So I guess maybe include Leverkusen in that as well. Uh, well, for me, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Maximilian Bayer um, at uh, Hoffenheim. Uh, he made a couple of appearances towards the end of, uh, of last season. And I just think he looks, he looks so dangerous. He, look, he looks fearless. You know, he comes on and I remember he came on against, uh, or maybe started against Mainz and he just looked dangerous. He wanted to take everything on and shoot and he, he looks explosive he's been you know very explosive and very um prolific at youth levels for the under 17 uh, side and now he's graduated and this could be the year that he really kicks on and establishes himself as the next player to come from that Hoffenheim you know development line which has produced so many good players over the years so I think I'd go to him he certainly wants to keep an eye on you know he primarily plays as a forward but he can play off either wing he can play just behind the striker very versatile, almost in a sort of Kevin Folland mould. So, um, yeah, I think I'll go for Bayer. And uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do this season because just 17 years of age, a lot of potential. And when you're at a club like Hoffenheim, you can kind of sneak under the radar, make a name for yourself without getting too much of the hype, which, as we know, can derail so many good promising careers. So I'll go for him. Good pick. What about you, Drew? Who you got? It's, it's really tricky, and I absolutely hate this question because <laughs> I could have spent a couple hours kind of trying to think this through. Um, I'm ten, are we including Leverkusen in the top four or not? I, I'd say so. I mean, they've got quite a few famous young firsts, shall we say, at the minute. Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough for me. Um, yeah, see, my, my pick would have been, would have been Verts. I kind of feel like there's no better time for him to come through, but if he's not going to count, then I have to really kind of completely change my answer on the fly. I mean, so, you can have him if you want, if you want to talk us through him a bit. I mean, I just, I just feel like, again, there's no better time for, you know, obviously he, he came in amongst quite a bit of fanfare, but um, the question would have been previously if Hubbard stayed, you know, where is he going to get his minutes? You know, and then in conjunction with that, would his progression maybe be stagnated because of that fact? But because Hobbits has left, you know, Kevin Bollins left, there's a lot of uncertainty. The, the door is completely open for him to maybe make a faster jump than people are expecting. Um, and certainly he's surrounded by other um, useful attacking players who have been allowed to be really be unshackled. Someone like Diaby is a prime example. And I think Leverkusen is a really good proving ground for a young player that has a lot of attacking promise. So I think for me, um, he would be my pick, I think. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure. You know, I don't necessarily even think you can really look at him and say he is Havertz's replacement, but more of just he has, he has part of that mantle to pick up. I think kind of similar to Timo Werner's departure with, with, with Leipzig. I don't think that you can replace Havertz with one player or even two, um, given how well he performed over the last you know, three, four years. But I think the door is not completely open for Havertz. I think that what, when, you, when you saw what he produced... And then how he performed at the tail end of, uh, of last season, um, you could see that maybe he was um, just about ready to really kind of 
put his foot down and not only nailed down the starting place, but actually genuinely contribute. Um, maybe put himself along a, a, a similar trajectory to the Habits did. You know, Habits didn't have a, a brilliant season by the numbers in, in his debut season. I think it was something like three goals, four assists, four assists, I think it was. But you saw that natural growth year on year. And I think Fertz maybe could um, catapult himself along a similar line. And if he does that, then I think for, I think that's it's the best possible scenario that I think is actually there's no reason why it can't happen. So I think that would be my choice. I just want to right. give a shout out to, to uh, Noah Katterbach, of course. Mm. Any, 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 anything positive with, you know, curling on this podcast has <laughs> done quite well. So, you know, 19-year-old left back, the new Jonas Hector, give him some credit, give him some love. <laughs> there we are. The new best left back in the world. Watch out for it. <laughs> well, I think that'll conclude tonight's episode of the Get German Football News podcast. Again, a big thanks to Drew and Tom for all their help and expertise. As always, in the meantime, remember to follow us on Twitter, especially to keep up to date with all things German football. Stay safe and thanks for tuning in.